0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Today we're discussing minimum viable products (MVPs) — what we're calling them — and their role in successful product development. Uh, we're going to start with a couple of questions. I just kind of want to introduce everybody. We're back with Connor, we cameo. We've Paul. Um, really happy to have actually somebody on the engineering side to talk about some of these topics with us. So excited to see. So let's let's talk about like understanding the actual concept of an MVP. Um, I'm, I'm going to leave leave it to you two first. How about we define what an MVP is and really the origin of of where this came from?
1: I, I actually think that the name MVP is super unfortunate. Um, when Eric Ries released Lean Startup, he used a word that I think was already being used, kind of in industry, um, MVP to stand for minimum viable product and if you've read that book he does not describe a product that you would take into market at all as an MVP it, it is only for a test it is it, the concept is you develop something whether you write code or you use a, a no code not with the idea of I'm gonna make money from this but I'm going to learn whether or not this is a product that, you, that anyone would want that's its only purpose and you do the very smallest amount possible, the minimum, because you don't want to spend a bunch of money on something until you know somebody wants it. I think we talked about that in, in an earlier episode. Um, unfortunately, I think the usage of the word product meant that for a lot of people, it just means like less than we want for as, as far as features. Just less features. And that is what makes yeah. it a the minimum. The, the minimum amount of features that we think are critical versus something that's not intended to be necessarily a product at all. You wanna to add to that? Yeah,
2: I mean unfortunately I feel like MVP's gone the way of the world, which is business people took it and figured out how to stuff it into the how do I earn the most money as fast as possible with the most visibility into that process. <laughs> and so MVP is now that thing. Right. It's that thing that accomplishes that business goal.
1: Oh, it's a, it's a magic thing.
2: Yeah, it's you magic. You don't have to
1: spend very much money on it, but it's going to
2: accomplish. And we can set a date for it so people can do it faster. Um, I, I'm reading, here's a definition that was originally coined. This is what I, I think of. Version of a new product which allows a team to collect the maximum amount of validated learning about customers with the least effort.
1: Oh, that's it's, like a, it's like a prototype. Yes. Yeah. It's literally a
2: prototype. Just it literally is, just so, you know, a prototype called, with a purpose.
1: If he had called it a prototype, would would the word prototype now mean that? Do you? I mean,
2: right? Minimum viable prototype. Right.
3: <laughs> yeah. Did it get coined and then the target is shifted? Yeah. Like yeah. The prototype would just be the new target thing.
1: Now, yeah. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. You know, like uh, all the features that you can fit in and. and Take it to market, yeah, it yeah. probably. probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, there's a there's a concept about how language this happens with um, language around um, like people who have disabilities. The word for a long time was retarded. It meant that their their abilities were retarded, but that word had all the ne- negative connotations, and then people use it as an insult, and then we have to come up with a new word the word loses the design. I'm not No. That's what's yep. happening with MVP. Absolutely. So that's What's happened? Uh, that's a great definition.
2: Yeah, I I think that that's that's the beauty like we're a learning shop here we love learning. And so the the goal is not get to market as fast as possible. The goal is to make a scalable, repeatable business model. And maybe part of that for you is getting to market as fast as possible, so but me, likely not.
1: Let me ask because I, I think for a lot of people, if they already have a business model, I think I think a part of the challenge for a lot of organizations as you try and use an MVP, if you think, well, I don't need to validate my business model, right? So now I'm just looking for what can I get to market as, as quick. Yep. Which I think is still a mistake, because even if you have a validated business model, each new feature that you put out, you still have that same set of assumptions. Yep. Around. Um, but I, I'm wondering, is, is that part of the challenge for people when understanding what an MVP is? Because they think, I already have a scalable business model.
2: Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I would ask, my, my immediate thought would be, what's the what's the business goal and how does innovation help you reach that? business goal, like why are you innovating for what purpose when i was at ancestry uh, margot georgiadis was our ceo and one of the first things she said was we're going to continue optimizing and getting incremental innovations but big innovations need to be at least 200 million dollar ideas because be we're doing some number that's a few x's larger than that uh-huh. um in revenue a year and so she's saying We need to increase like any big ideas that we're going to invest in, you need to increase that by some double digit percentage. And so, so we have a target, right? So you weren't allowed to come up with an idea that was like, I, I pitched something one time to their little board and they were like, someone said, I think this is a $50 million idea. And Margot said, do you have a response to that? And I said, I think it's a $50 million idea. And she said, okay, we're not doing it. Not enough. Oh, interesting. It's not not big enough. We can't we can't put twenty people on a fifty million dollar idea. We need to put twenty people on a two hundred million dollar idea.
1: I wonder though if most organizations are savvy enough to think of innovation that way. Right? It, it, yeah, innovation that's fair. for the most part is this nebulous like thing that they hope will happen. Yeah. And I just I just don't think people think Think about it now.
0: There are also different degrees of innovation, right? Like, as, as product people, you can have an idea for some path for customers or whatever they're doing. As engineers, you can have a really innovative idea that nobody ever sees because you just solve a really quick problem. In, in a certain. You know, like, you pulled in some library and used it in a way that nobody had considered before. Like, innovation has really small aspects to it that I, I feel like kind of just don't get seen very often. A big can at least because the the big innovative ideas the 200 million dollar ideas those are those are usually whole customer flows right 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 it's, it's a whole thing but like get the data from here to here sometimes requires genuine innovation by engineers
1: no that's that's like actually and, and i think that's more in that incremental innovation yep. exactly which there's yeah. nothing wrong with incremental innovation, I think we talked about in an earlier episode. Like, you don't get to this kind of a cell phone if you don't start with a big brick cell phone. You have to yep. you have to develop the underlying technology, and then you can continually increment. And we don't have a big break for innovation anymore with cell phones, almost at all. Yep. Um, and we probably won't because what the, I mean, the text there, right? Like,
0: just need to be on my glasses. Well, that was the thing. <laughs> oh,
1: there
0: you go. Uh, in a previous job, we actually had a. Uh, there was an icebreaker uh, topic once that we talked about and it was what, what one thing that's common now do you think will be strange in 20 years? And my thing is holding your device, I think will be a really strange concept. Like all the, all your integration with data and all of that is just going to be in your glasses and your whatever, wherever it's fed to you. But you know, we're so
1: used to it. I know. Right. (laughs)
2: Cyborg part of my brain. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah, like an attachment
2: that we Yeah, my brother has this theory that we're all cyborgs already. He's like, he's like define it, right? And it's like technological adaptations to who you are as a human being. He's like, literally, that's just your phone. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. like before like people from 50 years ago couldn't just pull up their phone and find information like they had to go to the library. Mm-hmm. You've augmented your brain with your phone. Yeah.
3: But what's that quote from Steve Jobs? It's like, the iPhone is the bicycle of the mind.
2: Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm
3: -hmm. Um, It allows you to do so much more. I mean, you don't have your phone you feel really hamstrung in
0: anything you're trying to do. Yeah. Especially if you're around other people with phones. Oh, yeah. You know, if it's just me doing my hippie stuff.
3: Yeah, whatever.
0: Not not that big of a deal. But if I'm trying to be a hippie at the mall... (laughs) You know, like everyone's way ahead of me on that. Yeah. So with MVPs, like what, what did they actually do for you? Like in the, in the development process for your teams, where do we, because we have this process of like the minimum viable product, right? The, The least amount
2: of features that we're shipping. How does that actually serve a team? What did Paul and I have talked about this before? Paul, what, I mean, to rephrase the question, like, what value does the results of an MVP give the engineering team? Yeah. Like I've, we've shipped our prototype, and then we come back with whatever we've learned. What does that do for the team? In your opinion, for the engineers? For the
3: engineers. Yeah. Well, I think you know that there's uh, similar similar wins for the engineering team that are for for anyone that's working on the product. You know, they get to see the little wins, right? They see uh it's kind of like with chess it's hard to think 20 moves ahead yeah and for engineers it's the same you know you're trying to design the system and um you have a chance okay we've we've gotten to this point now now we can look down the road a little bit farther um, we take those learnings and we can see oh i mean there's so many options with often so many buzzwords in engineering of things that you can do, whether it's with scalability or security, the list goes on. Um, you're able to narrow your focus and say, oh, this, this particular thing actually matters to us. So we're going to design and optimize that thing specifically now, as opposed to just trying to solve it all at once, which is the same as with on the product side, okay. right? Like you're trying to kind of put your line out there to say, or you get invites uh-huh. and then engineering's the same uh, you don't want to try to create this uh, empire
1: of a system before you even know what you're building Do you think sometimes it it is hard for engineers though to like think about an MVP because in my experience it's really hard to get, especially if people have had gotten it bit in the butt with not, you know the technical debt that gets acquired yeah. because, because you really have to say hey we're not going to engineer this for, your, for the future yeah. right we're, we're only yeah. engineering it for this moment in time yeah do you think that that's like because I've I've had some developers that I work with that kind of yeah. they're kind of like well what are we doing about security what are we doing about mm-hmm. you know manageability what are we doing to make sure that this can live on and you're yeah. like
3: well, maybe we don't want it to live, right? <laughs> exactly. No, that, that's a uh, Getting into tech, that was one of the first eye-opening things for me was seeing that a lot of the kind of pop culture in tech was driven around kind of reactions to hyperscale, uh-huh. right? So engineers at Google who are these leading minds in the industry have had to run all these scalability problems. Right. And now there's all these popular topics. about How, how do we engineer at scale? Uh-huh. And that trickles down to the whole um, engineering culture. Yeah. everyone so wants to, want to, to be, be like about that. Scale, right? Everyone yeah, exactly. To, but you're not there yet. Right. That's an opportunity. That's the privilege of the future,
1: right? The privilege it, of the future?
0: Would it be safe yeah. to say that MVPs so aren't built to be scaled? Absolutely. Yep. So so then you're doing a test. So when because you mentioned it before, when when we get out an MVP and we're, yeah. we're doing this test, how do you consume the learnings compared to like because we, like, we can give you a report on what we found mm-hmm. out, but like what does that even mean to an engineer? Um, I, I don't know
3: that it's terribly different. I mean it tells us what parts of the application are like critical to the experience of the user. Mm-hmm. If if the engineers and this is, uh, you know, a separate conversation, but the engineers are attached to like my, the, the engineering is a tool. It's just helping us create an experience for the user. They're attached to that, they're gonna see, oh, this part of the app is now, like this is what they care about. And I'm gonna spend a lot more time designing from the engineering perspective, bells and whistles, and scaling redundancy, blah, blah, blah. Because you know blah, that's where they, the they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and this other part, that, Five percent of the users use breaks or has uh, you know an issue. It's not as big of a deal. And that as you as that five percent goes from that five percent represents five people to five million people, then you start going like, oh, well that that part of the product is significant, and that's to yeah. handle an engineering team just trying to uh, make that
2: system robust instead of just saying, and yeah, we'll get to
3: that. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, <laughs> I the oh, what's his name, Paul Graham, the founder of YC, talks about this. It's like this idea of when someone says, "Well, that won't like that won't work when we have a hundred thousand customers." It's like we would be so good customers. Yeah, <laughs> tell me more about this fantasy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would like to be there. <laughs> but and that's and that's fine. It, it is important to think about what I think is tough is we often don't document when we say yeah, but we need we need the thing that works for our next thousand customers. Like we need a thousand customers before we can worry about ten thousand. Before we can worry about a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And if we know that we're making some scalability trade off, it'd be great to document that. But it kind of just becomes tribal knowledge, or it's just lost right. until we remember it when we get to a hundred thousand customers. If we do,
3: I think some of it ha- is a. I mean, it's a pairing between the product strategy and the engineering team. To, there's some some uh, products that are brand new that you would want to put a, an extremely robust system around. Yeah, um, trying to remember the. The crypto company that did like a Super Bowl ad mm-hmm. and like crushed yeah. their system. Mm-hmm. Oh true. yeah. Right? But that's something you can anticipate. Yeah. You know that you're trying to scale quickly instead of just like with a prototype, typically you're you're just throwing it out, giving a couple of people. But if you're if you're saying, Oh, we actually want this to launch to to go from right. beta to like millions of people, the engineering for that's gonna like very different. That makes
1: sense. Yeah. Well, to go on the Super Bowl and not be ready for scale. Be yeah. Pretty. I worked on this thing with Schwan's Foods a couple of years ago. They were going to be the featured um, business on The Apprentice. And they knew that there were there was data that came out of that, that The Apprentice team would tell you. When you're on our show, you're going to get a million or two million hits during the show on the website. Wow. Because yeah. that's... Because it, it was a big, big, cool. big show at the time. And so there was a lot of scale. Like We had a ton of scaling that we were doing to make sure that we were ready cool. for two or three million people to hit their website all at the same time. And to be fit, placing orders, right? They didn't have yeah. that ability to be able to handle that kind of scale. So right. We had to plan. But coming back to your point, we used to, when we would do de- design sprints to identify kind of MVP features, we would take the business through an engineering-led exercise to prioritize the non-functional attributes and document the decisions that we were making about what was important on the non-functional attribute side so that all the way through like the MVP, the engineers would know, oh, we're not emphasizing security right now. In fact, yep. We're ignoring security altogether and being explicit about it back to the business. This is not a secure application. Yep. We did we didn't build any security into, into this so that so that down the road there wouldn't be any surprises at the point when you have to decide, okay, our MVP is successful. Now we need to start engineering it. Here's all the trade-offs we already made all the way along the way so right. that we can, you know, go back and not <laughs> <it.
2: Right>. and <laughs> not yeah, no, get yeah. caught flat
1: footed when you're yeah. like, oh. Well, how did we get to all these customers and we don't have security built in? Yeah. We, yeah. we made that choice. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Here's a, can I soapbox? Yeah, so, uh, yeah it's a, that's
1: <laughs> what a podcast is. If I'm, gonna write, <laughs> if I'm gonna write a blog
2: post someday, it's gonna be called the problem with prototypes. Okay. And here, here's the problem. The problem is not the prototype. The One of the biggest problems I think we face in startups and businesses, people don't, not everyone, understands the vision. One. Okay. Okay. Actually not a huge issue in the immediate term over a long time. If you don't have a cohesive vision, that's a problem. But in the media, I don't think that's a big deal. The bigger deal is no one, not many people don't actually understand what strategy is. Agreed. It's much more about how mm-hmm. you do something. And so not understanding the strategy in the immediate term is an issue. So, so because a lot of people don't understand what strategy really is, so then it's not communicated very well. This is the cascading effect. So then the team doesn't understand the strategy very well, and they want to. We want to understand how are we going to accomplish our business goals, not how are we going to build the thing. How are we going to deliver value to our customers to accomplish our business goals as a strategy? And so if people don't understand that, They try to fill in because we want that kind of Mm -hmm. confidence or at least something to hold on to. So then you see an MVP or a prototype whose purpose, right? To to revisit the the purpose is like literally almost just learning, like learn the things we need to, to move to the next stage. Uh And so that may, that prototype may or may not fit into your strategy.
1: Mm.
2: So you ship a prototype to learn something because you need to, mm. or you do a or you do a non coded prototype and everyone sees it to learn something. That's it. Right. And then people are trying to fill into the strategy. Oh, our strategy must be this thing. Cause we're building it. Interesting. And then it's not, it's not the purpose of the MVP is not to, to, to solve all of your business problems. It's just to like get something in front of customers, and, and a means to get you closer to uh, a repeatable scale of business.
1: So that is interesting because I, I recently had a conversation <clears throat> with an executive here, where I he was he was inferring as the strategy. Yes. Based on the MVP. Yes. Right, and saying, well, I didn't think this was our strategy. You're obviously, our MVP is showcasing that strategy. Yes. That's interesting. That's a, that's a great perspective. I think you're right. So how do you counteract that?
2: You have to get good at strategy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but don't you also get good, have to get, get good, good at, at communication?
2: Yes, absolutely. And you have to keep good at making the connections. Because it's one thing to communicate a strategy. If you If you leave up to chance... Uh, the connection of strategy to your MVP or strategy to your prototype or learnings or current products or roadmap, then you're leaving your, you're leaving it up to chance. Like, mm-hmm. why leave your success up to chance when you can literally just say, our strategy is to accomplish these three things. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're not going to do it. And here's how this thing that we're building today that you know about w- layers into that. Right. And then they can say, okay, I get it. And then they and then but you can have a productive conversation.
1: It also just highlights that importance of doing readouts about, about what the learnings are, because then you can continually tie the learning cycle back to that strategy and be reiterating that strategy.
3: Yep. Yeah. That's a Steve Jobs quote, right? Yeah. I mean, I think there's an element too of even once you know the strategy, sometimes, uh, you know, amongst the, like, the leadership group, you can think that everything is getting communicated out and it's happening frequently. Because, uh-huh. I mean, you're thinking about it all the time.
1: Right.
3: But even if you just say it once, that's not necessarily, you know, like, oh, we said it, you know, a month ago, uh-huh. this is this is how it's going to play right. out with the MVP and, like, this is why we're doing it. If it's not something that's kind of, like, a part of the process to continually discuss the strategy of, of the why, it still gets lost. But at least especially for engineers because they're like, they're in, in this like different place solving these different problems and hopefully, you know, you'd, you'd hope they'd be able to keep that connection, uh-huh. but that's, no one can. Yeah, and so having that repeated
2: contact, and yeah. strategy is really important. It's so interesting to watch videos of <clears throat> mountaineers doing first ascents on, or first ascents of, of peaks, like the actual mountain. It's like they go to Baffin Island or something, right? Or they're in they're in Antarctica or, and they, they're way back. Right. And they always bring their, whatever they need binoculars or something. And they're trying to identify lines to take, cause you don't want to get cliffed out. You don't want to get stuck. You're in the middle of nowhere. So you're trying to, and ski and they do this in skiing too, right? Where they're and typically people, right? They're going to hike up one side, climb one side and ski down. Hopefully both lines are continuous. Mm-hmm. And so, but half the, half the videos that you see now they've like picked their line and they're literally either have a picture of it and they'll draw on it the line that they're going to take. And then you'll see them on the wall later and they're looking at it. And now they're like this far away, right? Like the mountains (laughs) next to their face. Yeah. And then it's like, this doesn't look nearly as good as it did in the telephoto lens. Yeah, sure. And that's, that's what I think that's what you're saying. Like the developers of the mountain climbers and and so is the whole team. Like, mm-hmm. and we're all standing back here, and we're saying, "This is our mountain." We think. We think. And we think this is our rough path. In the path is the strategy. Mm-hmm. And you get your tools ready, and you go on there, and you make it a third of the way up, and you go, "Oh, wow! Yeah. I wish I could stand, you know, two miles that way right now to know if I should go left, right, or down, right. because we're not going up."
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so
0: it's hard. Is that part of the the usefulness? I'm I'm curious about this as far as like the MVP, the, the strategy of an MVP it's, itself, right? Because like it's been my experience that engineers don't like to throw away code, and so if we build this MVP solution that gets us information, um, what you know, if the if the end goal is to pivot and then build the thing after, like. What's what's the best way for for yeah. engineers to hold on to the things that they learned halfway up the mountain so that they can actually build a tool set for it? Right, and not not feel like they're
3: they've lost. All exactly, this like I did effort, all this work and now get, it's gone. You know, so, some some of that is um, just in communication and in, in, in them understanding the purpose of what they're they're writing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, with with prototypes, I mean. The, Largely, the intention is that this may not be used in the future. And, you know, to what we were talking about before about, like, we're not going to, like, go all the way in on trying to make this super robust. The engineers are going to hate that. And actually, a lot of times, like, yes, please, like, can we do this right? Now that we know what we're going to be building, can we actually build this the right way? Mm-hmm. Um, it it also helps if whatever they're working on, and, and this this is kind of like a double benefit of having you know a small prototype. If someone spends six months working on something and then you throw it away, that hurts. Mm-hmm. If they spend two weeks and you throw it away and say this is a stepping stone to make this next thing great, and it's like oh this is this is palatable because now we're gonna we're gonna spend six you know whatever the next time
0: increment is on something that's gonna. Probably stick around a little longer. Well, and then in that mindset, like you likely also have the lessons that you learned solving that problem that you can yeah. still take with you, right? It's so still in your exactly. immediate memory.
1: I I think that engineers rightly have a lack of trust with the business that the prototype won't end up becoming or the MVP, even worse, yeah. won't end up becoming the actual the product, actual product yep. and that they'll get stuck with all the dumb, the short-sighted good decisions at the time, yeah. but that represent technical data. Yeah.
3: And to be fair, like, I think a lot of times that, the, I think the reason a lot of engineers are jaded, like you said, sometimes rightly so, is that the consequences, <laughs> the bad consequences of the decisions that business leaders make
1: uh-huh.
3: don't get eaten by the business leaders. No, they need to. The tech team figure. has yeah. to just uh, figure it out. Uh-huh. They're like, I don't care that it's not maintainable. Right. Right. Like, you just get it figured out. No, we don't have time to stop for maintainability. Six, six months later, the, you know, business leaders aren't gonna be like happy to hear a conversation from the engineers about, oh, well, guess what? Like, this is gonna take six months because of what you did that that conversation just never goes that
1: conversation
3: goes never goes well ever. and so engineers end up working late hours and kind of get gaslighted into these like bad situations cuz they saw the problem ahead of time were told no and then mm-hmm. oh, too bad this is what you're going to get. At.
1: Well song, I right? yeah. I have told people before that somebody told me developers came up with the phrase technical debt because they thought the business would understand that and I said, well, you used the wrong phrase because business people are okay with using debt. In like fact, they're used yeah. to incurring debt to start the business. To start the business <laughs> with the, the idea that it's okay to have debt, right? Yeah. It's not like you got a bunch of like um, Ramsey like people out there like being terrified of debt. They're not terrified of debt. So um, hmm. you need a different phrase that communicates the the impact of the decision that the business connect, that, that'll resonate with them. Cause it's yeah. not a phrase that resonates with business people. Or at least yeah. not
2: what the truth of that statement
1: is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. My, I mean, getting out of debt, you just get more money. Yeah. You yeah. can't just yeah. more money your way immediately out of technical debt. You can. Yeah. I, I kind of think you can more money your way or more customers your way out of some technical debt. And this is the wisdom of Paul.
1: Okay.
2: Technical debt is a privilege.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like
2: that's it, and so if you survive, if you survive, (laughs) so like obviously when you take on debt as a business, financial debt, you have some kind of financial plan for that debt. (laughs) But usually we don't like we don't have some kind of technology plan for technical debt. (laughs) We just incur it. Yeah, yeah. The the there's different. What's hard with
3: with the, on the technical side, and, it, and it's a challenge for engineering to communicate. Um, is there's different kinds of mm-hmm. technical debt. There's some. There's some that's really easy to replace, and there's other things that even if you were being really mindful about, uh, as security as an example, some of those problems can be like in the core of what you're building, and so you might build this really elegant uh, system on top of it, having. Know, iterated many times and then you've got something that's kind of in the core
1: of it you now mm-hmm.
3: affects the entire application and you, you want to go try to fix it that kind of debt it's it's like compounding interest yeah right yeah it's like oh we're taking on like this really bad type of debt we, we need to be cognizant of it and hopefully you know with customers we'll be able to have the team and the money to be able to actually solve this problem um, yeah in the end if the business doesn't survive then like heck, that doesn't matter so
1: so it seems just to me when you're talking about mvps mm-hmm. it'd be very beneficial to have developers more embrace the original meaning of the word because ideally the less you engineer the the less likely you are to end up with an mvp that's laden with technical debt because ideally there should be no question that the, that the MVP could be used as a real product, mm-hmm. right? Because then you don't. I, I think that the reason that the business people get to that point is we do tend to over-engineer MVPs so that they yeah. can be an actual usable, semi-viable product. If all of us product people and and and. Um, software developers and everybody involved is aggressive about making sure that any MVP is is absolutely just a prototype and cannot mm-hmm. be used. Then you could ensure that the next iteration you say okay now what do we want to engineer for yeah. what are our short term or long term strategy around how to develop this so that so that we can choose the right things to do at the right time yeah. and and not kind of because it's it's really natural. To, you can see how how it, you could end up in that situation, like again and again yeah, and again. Totally. But it's part of it. It's because everybody's misusing the word and misunderstanding, yeah. specifically the business people. But yeah. even, I you know I I do believe that the developers are partially to blame because because if something does take you three to six months, of course the business people are going to have an expectation. I can reuse. Yeah. Of, uh, right. Yeah, I just spent uh, a half a million dollars building that yeah. thing. You're telling we, me it's a complete throwaway. Now
0: we're going to build from the from the ground, the up, ground again. up again. We're going to build yeah. right.
1: Whereas if they had spent two twenty thousand dollars, it's easy to say that's just a prototype. We're throwing it away. Yeah. Now we're now we can start engineering around the problem because we have validated. There's been you know not an opportunity.
0: There. So is that one of the key components of like a successful MVP? Is being able to keep the cost down, the time down.
1: I, Depends well, on what
2: you're trying to learn and how fast. That's fair. And how big your customer, how big your customer base is. And
1: yeah. I just think it's dangerous to invest very much in an MVP because because then the business rightly has an expectation that they should be able that there should be reusability there. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and 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 in a way, that the problem where developers don't want to throw away code is the same problem the business has. Yep. They don't want to throw away investment dollars, right? And and if if they've invested in something having you know security or maintainability, then they say, well now we're just gonna throw all this away. And yeah.
3: So it's a lot harder for for people to to see learnings as like the key uh, the key thing that you're trying to do with, with starting a business. Right, because it's 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 like so ephemeral, uh-huh. you know. You can't touch it. There's not. There's no result. It's like, oh, like we're just smarter about what we're trying to do now, and that doesn't feel as, as valuable. What's crazy, even on the engineering side, if I have a prototype of something that, like, has a really clear spec of, here's what we're trying to build. The the ability for an engineering team to build that is like five X faster. Sure. Because sure. you just all of all of the the belaboring over what the requirements are and how they work together. If I've got a clear prototype, um, and I've seen this a couple of times where I've had it and, and the business leader before me that has me come onto this project is like, Oh, you did that so fast. I like, I, I appreciate that. You're <laughs> really good. I like that, but also like the work that they did kind of, Leapfrog me because yes. I didn't have to ask all of these questions. We have to have all this back and forth. Right, you I know. could just go in, build it. You know, in, in two weeks, what well, what took three months for you guys to learn. Mm-hmm. And so, that I think the, the learnings part of it, I feel like it's for engineers and on, on the business side can get undervalued.
1: Well, it's like it's like Connor always says, especially for the business, it's the line in the water thing, right? Can't catch the fish if I don't have my line in the water. Building feels like a line in the water. Learning feels like just the job. Yeah. <laughs> and
2: then we wonder why when we release the thing that we rushed as fast as possible to ship that it doesn't work and our customers don't like it. <laughs> it's like, oh, we should have just take a little time and something lower fidelity and just gotten it out there. But, and even if I think that, you know, happy path, sad path. Happy path is like you do like you hear something from a customer that sparks something, you talk to some developers about it or some people on your team. They think it's interesting. You do some interviews, you corroborate it more, you do your surveys, you corroborate it more, you, uh, build a, uh, a non-technical prototype. People love exactly what you built right away. Then you build a semi tech, like semi-technical lo-fi prototype people still like it and then you ship the mvp and then it it lands like happy path but it's just never that easy (laughs) like that would be wonderful i'm gonna read this quote uh this is steve jobs we tried i should have i should have we should do this thing where we read a quote You have to guess who it
1: is. (laughs) So we
2: tried to, anyways, you know who this is, old old Stevie. Uh, We tried to make something much more holistic and simple. When you first start off trying to solve a problem, the first solutions you come up with are very complex. And most people stop there.
1: Oh, interesting.
2: But if you keep going and live with the problem and peel more layers off the onion peel more layers of the onion off, you can oftentimes arrive at some very elegant and simple solutions.
1: That's interesting.
2: So it's like you build your MVP and it's like, okay, why doesn't it work? And it's like, yeah, like this is the Frankenstein of 17 people at this company. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's like, it's going to do something. We hope it does something meaningful, but it might just be teaching us what they don't like or what they're looking for that they can't get to easily or what things they would put together or whatever it is. So, Simplify. with that, I think that
0: we are looking at maybe continuing this conversation later. I mean, I'm me. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, I think everybody needs to take off. Um, so, I would, I would love to continue this conversation genuinely.